Welcome to Snow Day, where we take a snow day, stay inside, and talk about the things that keep us warm. We answer that inevitable question that every tourist that comes to Juno asks, what do you do in the winter? I'm your host, Allison Wade. On today's episode, I get to talk to Annie Bartholomew, better known around Juno as Annie B. She's a photographer, writer, and musician. We talk about writing a play, folk fest, mental health, and of course, most importantly, her favorite comfort shows. When I went to UAF, I joined the student newspaper because I secretly wanted to be a journalist. And I did a story about winter footwear and like the pros and cons of each and interviewed everybody, um, mostly because I wanted to buy these mucklucks that were kind of expensive, which I love now that I saved up my PFD and got them. But they were like the hip boots on the west side of campus, like all the cool researchers and dog mushers and, you know, mm-hmm. wannabes like myself had them. So, yeah, I love okay. winter. So you went to UAF, University mm-hmm. of Alaska Fairbanks. You oh, wanted yeah. to buy mucklucks. So you did research in order to back yourself up for buying them, This the winter gear. Is that right? Yeah. And I think it was an excuse to talk to cool people. and Totally just learn more about the motivations behind buying them and also like justify my decision to spend. I think they were like $180 on mucklucks. They're really good. Yeah. I feel like see them. you don't see them in Juno as much because it's wet here. So it, the moose hide isn't good, but if it gets really dry cold here, you can rock them. So you are currently writing Sisters of Whitechapel, which is about the women of the Klondike Gold Rush. Yeah, it's a piece of historical drama and music started out as a songwriting project inspired by narratives of women who came north during the Klondike Gold Rush in Alaska and Yukon. And I love it because, and we've talked so much about this project. You helped inform the project. Right before my reading, finalizing the drafts, I interviewed a lot of gals who worked in tourism in Skagway at this really special, historic brothel venue and museum where I got to go visit my friend Taylor Vidic and Cameron Brockett, who were working there. And Taylor caught me a tour and was just haunted by the artifacts that were left there and the stories that I heard. And when I was thinking about writing new music inspired by this place and the Alaskan stories I felt like weren't being told, um, just kind of latched onto it and found myself in this research and in trying to put these stories to song. There is something about women who were born and raised in Alaska. There's a resiliency. Don't worry, I got this. It's yeah, yeah. And it's like, what I realized, so I'm on this running team and it's mostly women who grew up and were born in Alaska. And there's just this, it's like, what I picture it, it's so simple. It's like 
oh, we can carry this heavy cooler where like, I would look at this cooler and I'd be like, oh, it's so heavy. I need to find someone to carry it for me. And these women are like, you get aside, I'll get aside. It's like not even questioning how we are going to do something, not figuring it out beforehand. It's like seeing what needs to be done and just doing it. And I feel like that's so true of women, of Alaskan women. And you are included in that where I see you as someone that like never questions, that just does the thing. It's like, I want to do this thing and I'm going to do it. What's that like? (laughs) You know, if we don't do it, someone else will. Like if we don't tell our stories, someone else will. And it'll probably be National Geographic and they'll probably import some characters and that's fine. I love TV. I think reality TV is beautiful. (laughs) And I, oh, but at the same time, like I want to be on the reality TV show. I want to create a special kind of reality or just share that like weird Northern hospitality that I think you Mm. get here of people who want to involve you and welcome you in. And I think every time I share something artistically, I want to be sharing that value of we want to make this place better for everyone. And that journey kind of starts at home. That I know is so true for you because I can see like you kind of share your artistic process and you also think that I think that I feel like I'm so uh what's the word insecure about it that I kind of withhold and could be doing more to share transparency oh it's so interesting I've been thinking just you saying like insecure in the process and I have been so I'm always fascinated by creative processes and I think that's what kind of keeps me from doing anything I love to read about how to be creative like I'll do like the artist way and I read like the um oh the choreographer oh my gosh I've never I've never finished the artist way neither have I one of my favorite podcasts is called the a beautiful mess podcast and it's these two sisters and they have a blog and they're just I don't know I've been obsessed with the blog for like 12 years and it's about kind of creativity but they're also like really successful business women and they I didn't get that gene well it's so funny because they shared this advice about business that I just want to I just want to internalize and that is to finish things. Have you ever sat on a grant panel before? (laughs) You need to do it. It is the most educational thing ever because I've been on some grant panels in this town where like they literally don't get enough applicants for the money they have to give away. So if you just turn in, if you check the boxes you will probably get funding, you know? And that's not to say that wherever that artist is in their journey isn't unworthy of funding, but it's just like, don't psych yourself out. Don't talk yourself out of it before you submit the application because you never know the luck involved in the process based on like who the other applicants are. 
Um, or if you are sitting on a gem that like, you know, there's a need that hasn't been met yet that you're kooky enough to dream up. The, uh, the flip side of that is don't turn in an application that's like clearly last minute and you didn't read the criteria or sloppy. Totally. Something that would make you lose credibility. But I think a lot of people struggle with perfectionism. And like I had to turn in a grant report last week and I was up until 2 a.m. doing it. And it could have been prettier. It could have been more complete. But grant officers want to give you money. They want to help you. They want you to call them. They want you to be successful, which I didn't know or think about. I thought that they were evil and liked certain projects that were safe and easy. When in reality, they just want complete projects. That is so valuable to hear because it's, I am a really afraid of judgment or I'm getting, I'm getting better. And maybe it's the pandemic because I'm like, I've been out of practice with performing. Like I used to just put my voice out there and I would be nervous or excited, but something about like not performing for a while and then doing a podcast and having the podcast be like funded through grant money opens. I've been in those conversations where people have like judged the grant recipients. Like, like you were saying, like, why do they get a grant, you know. Why does Allison think she can just right. start a podcast? It's not like she's worked in public radio. It's not like a thousand know. percent. Totally. I want to come back to Juno and I want to talk about Folk Fest. Oh. And that's something that you can kind of say we do in the winter because it is at the beginning of spring when Folk Fest I happens. call it the folk season. Winter is the folk season because it gets real dark. And at about January, you start thinking about your next set on the main stage, which our folk festival is very unique in that the majority of the performers are local people. And it's kind of like a talent show and that anybody can apply, no auditions. And you get on stage for 15 minutes to play whatever instruments you brought and win people over in three songs. In Juno's largest venue for people yes. to show up for free. And it ranges from like someone's very first time ever being on stage to you, to a professional musician in town showcasing their immense talent. And, it's, and you, everyone is even and gets 15 minutes. And, and like, it's all live sound, mostly done by volunteers. So some professional artists can't handle that or they can't handle the pressure. So you see like legends be born and then like <laughs> also like professional artists just crash and burn. It's like, hmm. I love it. It's there's like awkward moments. There's high suspense. Like, and it's all broadcast on the radio. So if somebody cusses, it's like extra funny. And, and there are like, there are folk fest, like devotees that have folk fest was started. What in the early seventies? 
Yeah, I Is think this right? year was 47 or 48, 47. And there are people that have been going ever since the beginning or for like many number of years that just go and show up. There are performers that everyone expects at like the same time every year. There's of course internal drama about it that we hear because it's Juno and it's a tiny town. And there's like, there's an energy of music in town. Specifically, I would say bluegrass music. Right? Yeah. I'd say it's kind of like South by Southwest in downtown Juno that it just draws a lot of people here. But for the most part, no one's famous. And then all the famous people go there to not be famous. Hmm. Like there are some rock stars in the old time and bluegrass traditions who come here so that they're unknown and can just party and have a good time without bloggers around. Yeah. But it is, you have to come to experience it and understand it. And Centennial Hall where the action occurs is just, it's the thing that brings people to town, but the drama is downtown in all the bars and Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a good time. It's my yeah. favorite time of year. I think it's my favorite time of year too. And I, I like barely go and I've kind of barely been involved, but like you get a little taste of it and you can't leave the specific energy that everyone has around just music. And it's music combined with spring after a dark, dark winter. and especially this year. I mean, I only went to a Saturday set at noon with my baby and it was still so exciting. There was, there wasn't as many people, there weren't as many people in Centennial Hall as like another night because it was the day, but it was still just fun to see people. And it was, that's like, that's even true in non-pandemic times where it would just be so excited to see people after a long winter. Yeah. The nice thing too, just as about like talking about creative process and commitment and follow through. So you have this idea. Most people have an idea in January of what they're going to yeah. do for Folk Fest, which is or in, April. in April the year before. I mean, right. I'm, I'm already scheming. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, the deadline is folk fest. And I've thought every year, I'm like, okay, I'm finally going to play my guitar and learn the Cranberries song that I love. Which one? Which one? All of them? Dreaming My Dreams is the only one that I can play on the guitar. But of course I haven't played the, I don't really know how I say, know how to play a guitar. I think you play more guitar than 50%. Of the, the people, people that stage. claim to f- <laughs> people on stage. <laughs> Just kidding. I didn't say that. <laughs> well, that's also the fun of Folk Fest. Is, well, and is, in Folk Fest, you get super ambitious in what you want to do on stage to a detriment of your set. So yeah. I've, I've, every, every set I've done, something unexpected has happened, whether it's like forget lyrics or chords, but you oftentimes see people trying to perform above their level, which gets you on their side to root for them or like trying something new or like the high school band singing about drugs or it's just, 
it's beautiful. It's humanity on stage. Snow Day is brought to you because of the Juno Community Foundation Individual Artist Grant. Grants make it possible to get some money, so it's impossible to have an excuse not to do something like a podcast or a painting or a play. If you suck at self-starting, like me, maybe apply for a grant so you will feel obligated to an organization to complete the task. You might get notified that you received the money, and you might cheer and brag and then procrastinate doing the thing for so long until you finally freak out that they will notice and complete the task. Gosh dang it. Apply for a grant. Any grant. Organizations are literally giving away money. Why not claim it for yourself and add a big project to your never-ending to-do list? Apply for a grant today. Okay, I want to talk a little bit more about your ADHD, because I've heard you refer to this before because I took a songwriting class from you and you talked about how you need to kind of have something in your hands. And you were like, I like to like, cause it's like maybe like a fidget kind of thing. Like maybe like a, I'm holding my paper hands clips. right now. Oh, interesting. I'm like not even aware of it. Were you, have you known since you were little? that you had ADHD or were you no. ever like diagnosed well, or let's just say in high school, I gave my friends the crib sheets on how to get diagnosed with ADD. <laughs> really? What do you mean? Yeah. I was like, <laughs> you know, just like, don't answer the question. Look somewhere else, you know, like fidget in your chair a bunch, like tap your foot, maybe like look under it a few times. Um, I was diagnosed as an adult and it's not a disease. It's a collection of unique behaviors, which may or may not be related to like sleep deprivation. Um, I just get so many good ideas all the time. It's hard for me to not engage in them. It's hard to go to sleep, I guess. But yeah, so I was not diagnosed until I was an adult and I had been diagnosed with depression before that. And a lot of the depression was related to failures that, you know, if I had been told earlier in my life that some of the things that you struggle with may be representative of this bigger thing, you know, you can find coping mechanisms, Totally. the, the feedback I always got from teachers is like, you should be getting A's, you know, or like your grades would be dragged down by like so many missing assignments and I wasn't like consciously trying to sabotage my life. So I finally got diagnosed when I was like 22, 23 and reading like the chart where it describes all this ADHD stuff. It was like reading my biography, losing things, you know, not having a great perception of time, um, spatial stuff. It's, it's a trip. Um, yeah. And then I think growing up, there's like a lot of shame associated with being messy or it's unfeminine, but I love being an adult because I finally have the resources to live the way that I please. I do want to know. So you said you like reality TV. What is, do you have a comfort show or are you okay? Before you answer, 
I, I'm assuming you're someone that maybe doesn't watch a lot of TV or do you, are you kidding me? Okay. You do. Okay. Goodness. Oh, that's a relief. I was going to be really embarrassed when you asked me what I did in the winter, because I love watching TV. Okay. And during the pandemic, I realized like, I need to stop feeling guilty about it. It was the escapism that I Mm -hmm. needed. And it's also, I do a lot of temptation bundling where you take an activity you don't want to do and pair it with something you do want to do. So it's like, I learned to play banjo while watching TV. I would like turn on BBC masterpiece theater and you put the subtitles on. So you're forced to read the subtitles while also playing your instrument at level 11. So you have to find shows that are like, you don't have to watch everything. So like, it can't be a breaking bad Mm, or mm -hmm. anything on HBO. But like I, I watched pull dark in one weekend while practicing banjo and it was the best, like violent TV shows are really great for that too. Like the Vikings franchises. Same because like, of like the action sequence, like, so you can just watch and it's, or oh, is it? So I don't have to watch all the bloody oh, stuff. I can work okay. on like the, whatever seam or thing I'm doing, but I love TV. I think people should feel less guilty about it. And uh, that I'm is not a so true nice artist, but I love television. Yeah. That's how I feel. Like that's probably why I like reality TV or like the Kardashians so much. Cause it's like, it's, it's so, I wish I could find a better word than boring, but it's boring, but like in a way that like, Oh, thank you for not requiring me to engage. I appreciate mm-hmm. this. This is so generous of you TV where like, honestly, so when we were scheduling this podcast, in the original time that I said, that was like the time after my baby goes to sleep, but it was also like the hour I watched TV. And I was like, I don't know that I can give that up. No, you shouldn't. <laughs> you should not. Cause there are times where like people want me to go to an event or mm. a band practice at like seven, this happened a lot more before the pandemic. And I'm like, I guess I could do it this month, this once, right. I guess I could do this once. And then I come home and I watch TV until midnight because mm. I need it. I love it. And I, and it's less destructive than like self-medicating with alcohol or substances, like of all totally. the things or like, you know, spending money on the internet. Like mm-hmm. who is me watching TV hurting? Or like going outside when it's cold. <laughs> yeah. You could slip on some ice and injure yourself. Seriously. It's it's a dangerous place. Well, Annie, you're the best. I feel like we could go on forever, but I do want you to say like where people can find everything about you on the internet. I know that you are on Instagram. Are you anywhere else? Uh, my website is anniebalaska.com and it has some links about my songwriting project, Sisters of Whitechapel. And some of my photos and other things. And I'm hoping to put out the album next year. And this summer we're doing a live stage production of Sisters of Whitechapel. So it could crash and burn and cancel me forever. Or, you know, I'll just collect Tony's. It's going to be great. You're the best. Oh, thank you. And that's our show. 
don't you worry. We're going to continue to talk about what we do in the winter throughout the summer. I know it's May, but hey, it's cold here sometimes. We might have to take a snow day in July. See you in a couple of weeks.